with occasional forays into John's gospel. For the most part, this year we read through Luke's gospel. Today, chapter 4. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all of the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That is the word of the Lord. So my wife Barb and I have been empty nesters now for about five months. So uh, we made this resolution that we'd go back to doing things that we used to do in those B.C. before children days and maybe add a few new things to our repertoire. And Barb's been doing great. She's been like pulling out all these new recipes and cooking them. That's been good. Um, one of the things we resolved to do was we used to like going to movies in the theater. And so we resolved we're going to go to more movies in the theater. So our youngest, Michael, moved out on August 25th. Uh, when do you think we started looking at the theater listings for the first time? Uh, 26 is an awesome, wonderful guess, but uh, unfortunately, no. I would say it was mid-November, actually, before we uh, got around to actually looking. And, uh, of course, I start looking on a weekend when what opened? Mid-November, what big blockbuster? Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part 2, the end of that whole series comes out. <clears throat> what do you think is the over-under on how many times Mockingjay Part 2 showed at the Marcus Majestic in the first 24 hours it was out? I'll give you the 25 is the over-under. How many of you think it showed fewer times than 25? Good, right. The correct answer is going to be 28 times in the first 24 hours. Um, so we decided, okay, that's going to be a little crazy, and there wasn't much else showing, like that was the only thing showing. So we wait a few weeks, and we look again, and now, of course, what do we hit? That would be Star Wars. Awesome. Literally going nonstop, you know, at least with, my, with, with the Hunger Games, it stopped for like six hours. Uh, with uh, Star Wars, they went nonstop for 30 hours. Um, now the over-under is 50. How many times did it show in the first 50 hours? How many of you think it was over 50? 48. <laughs> watch it. You can just keep watching it nonstop. 48 times. Um, uh, we've, we finally made it between the holidays to concussion. Barbara and I, we like to go serious. and um, uh, Not the best movie we've ever seen, but I'd still recommend it. Good movie to see. Uh, I, I was reminded of all of this and temporarily depressed when I was looking at our attendance statistics for, for last year. Because uh, you sit there and you see, man, they, you can just draw people nonstop to a theater. And it, it's so hard for not just our congregation, but for all churches to even maintain uh, levels of attendance that you've had in the past. And in fact, uh, the, the overwhelming trend across denominations is is fewer people in church on a regular basis. And, you know, as a pastor, that gets a little discouraging. 
Um, but then I decided to think of it in a different way as I was looking at all these statistics. Um, uh, when, when interviewed, two-thirds of Americans still say that they belong specifically to a Christian congregation. So let's say there are 300 million Americans, two-thirds of that would be 200 million. Um, if we're typical of that, on Christmas Eve, we had roughly two-thirds of our membership here on Christmas Eve. About 1,500 people, we list about 2,200 members, that's about two-thirds. So two-thirds of the two-thirds would be, do the math quickly, people, that'd be like 135 million people, 140 million people. Let's say that's high by 10%, knock it down to 120 million people in church on our blockbuster opening, Christmas Eve. Uh, how many people watch the Super Bowl? Usually about 110 million. All right. Way to go, Christianity. I mean, we do better than the secular world's biggest event. And we're not, we're not just sitting around eating some taco dip. We, on Christmas Eve, people are actually doing something. They're like holding the candle, hopefully straight up, uh, or singing Silent Night. And everybody at some point says, Alleluia, if for no other reason to say, time to go home and open the presents. Just a, that's a joke line. Um, anyhow, it's just, it's just different, right? I mean, you can't compare us to the opening of something they spent $250 million on. Uh, it's a different thing, and as, as hard as it is to, in a sense, remain organized and together as Christians, um, there's also a lot of evidence that, that it still exists. Um, but it's on all of us to, to do it well. To, to, to not just go through the motions as a pastor or as a people, um, but to always focus on being a prayerful people, a attentive and generous people, a people who try to, in their lives, in our lives, um, be true to what it is we say we believe. So think of the children's time. What, what's the answer for you? The, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me is what Jesus read from Isaiah, but the inference obviously is it's, it's upon all of his people. Um, have you ever thought of what having the Spirit upon you might feel like? We'll come back to that. A couple of just technical things about, about that particular gospel reading is, is if you go to a synagogue nowadays, um, and for the Shabbat service, for the Sabbath service, it's, it's going to seem a little bit like one of our services in that they would have three core readings. Uh, they would start with a reading from the Torah, the laws of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, then there would be, and, and they follow a cycle for that, and then there would be an appointed reading from one of the prophets, and then there'd be an appointed reading from one of the writings, which are books like Psalms and Proverbs, uh, which is very similar to what we do. We don't use them all every week, but we have an appointed Old Testament lesson uh, then one, that's usually our second lesson if we use it, from the New Testament letters, and then one of the readings from the Gospels. We do it in reverse order. In other words, we would say the Gospel is the one we're kind of building to and we read it last. Uh, they would say the Torah is the most important one. They start with it and then the other readings flow out from that. Uh, in the time of Jesus, though, we know that uh, there was only an appointed Torah reading and it was the prerogative of the, the teacher that day to pick any other readings uh, that he, in that world, he uh, would cho choose to teach about. So which additional reading did Jesus pick? You may have noticed that actually he doesn't at some level pick the book because the attendant hands him 
the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now in that world, remember, any synagogue that had a full scroll of the Torah was a really blessed synagogue because that was a rare and expensive thing. To have a scroll of anything else was, was kind of a double blessing. In other words, I think the reason Jesus has handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah is it's probably the only other scroll they have. And so they give him this one very special scroll of the biggest of the Old Testament prophets, or the longest. And if you were here last week, you heard that it's the, it's the prophet Jesus and the gospel writers quote from the most, the prophet Isaiah. And of all of the amazing, awesome material that Jesus could have picked in that whole book, he turns way into it, unrolls it, unrolls it, unrolls it, unrolls it, to get almost to the end to what we would say is chapter 61. And if you, if you were here last week, we talked about how Isaiah is in three parts, written over three centuries, and there's material in there that tries to understand why people experience suffering. There's material meant to comfort people in the face of that suffering. There's material there to encourage us towards peace, to warn us towards the various spiritual cliffs we go off in life. It's, it's just an amazing work. But the very last chapters, including chapter 61, are where the book finally says, having read all of this, now is the time to actually live it out and make it real. So it's not particularly surprising that Jesus, at the very end, would say, today the scripture is fulfilled in your presence. He understood what he was reading. He picked it on purpose. He picked the part of the book that was not about thinking about your faith, or understanding your faith. It was about doing your faith. And he reads the part that begins, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To do amazing things, to bring good news to a world of bad news, to set the prisoners free, um, to, to, to unbind you know, the captives and those who are oppressed, recovery of sight to the blind, um, it's poetic, but it's also meant to be very, very real. Because it was read into a world of incredible violence, incredible poverty, incredible oppression. So much bad news. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news. You'll notice it doesn't say that the Spirit is within him. Kind of like to think of God being within us. But if it's within you, maybe you get to control it. I think it's a simple reminder from Scripture that none of us get to control the Spirit. But it alights upon us, as the dove did at baptism. And there, it embraces us, or pushes us, or lifts us, maybe sometimes holds us back. When the Spirit alights on you, do you notice? Do you welcome it? Do you pray for it? Do you wonder why you feel pushed in a direction that doesn't seem like the one you'd want to go? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Two simple applications, um, which I think are really important for how we live our life together. Um, 
uh, I went to two member parent funerals this past week. Um, what was striking about both of them, um, both of those parents of our members here, was, was uh, how well known they were in their church, how involved they'd been in their community, um, how people genuinely missed them and genuinely appreciated them. And I was reminded that, that, that the church isn't an institution. It isn't this building. Uh, it isn't the, the attendance statistics. Um, it's people, and it's not really us when we're sitting in these pews. It's, it's when we're actually out there living our regular lives, whatever they may be, and it's being faithful, and it's being good, and it's being generous to people, and it's, it's being consistent, and it's being someone who's approachable. It's all the things that these, these people were. And of course, at, at funerals, you're only permitted to say good things about the person. So. With, with all of us, with any of our funerals, of course, you take a little bit with a grain of salt. But nevertheless, um, the, the feeling was so authentic and so genuine. Um, such a blessing, I think, for each of us to be people of faith in our daily lives, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and in the places where we work. The Spirit of the Lord really is upon you. And, and I hope none of us forget that. I hope we appreciate it as, as kind of the blessing it really is. The other thing that, that um, I was thinking about while doing this was, was in about the last two weeks, a 2015 graduate of Brookfield Central and, and, and a guy who would have been a 2016 graduate of Brookfield Central uh, both took their own lives. And that's a lot for one school community to... To, to handle in a very short period of time. Um, you know, you, you think many things about that. Obviously, you pray for the families and you pray for those student bodies um, of whom we have a lot of those kids here right now. We also have teachers in, in Brookfield Central and um, I hope you'd add them to your prayers because teachers have their own experience of, of the kids who who are now dead, but, but they also are there trying to, to help uh, their student body deal with something that, that nobody can really deal with. Um, and to have kind of the grace and, and wisdom to do that well is, is so important and something to really pray about. Whether it's living your life in a community as a good citizen or being together to mourn something really, really difficult, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is upon you. And the Spirit doesn't give all the answers that you and I would love to have about life. Um, but I'll tell you this, because the Spirit is not something we own, but which is something alights upon us, if you trust it's there, then it, then it has a power unto itself. And, and it has the power at the, at the, at the, at the very minimum just to, to keep us from living our lives in fear. Because when you're afraid, you, you just shut it down. And, 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 and you lose the strength for living. And it is the spirit of the Most High God who says, no, 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 no. 
You, the last thing you ever want to do is, is to shut it down. <laughs> but as instead, as per the, the prophet Isaiah, it is to, to remain open, to, to pray without ceasing to be a light in a world of darkness. So pray. Pray, pray for yourself to be faithful and good and, and to know that the Spirit of, of God is upon you. Um, pray for those who mourn. Pray for those who are afraid. Pray for those um, who are hungry. Pray for those in war-torn places who are desperately afraid and will do anything to get out of it. They're not refugees. <laughs> and they're just people who are afraid. That's the world we live in. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you and upon me to bring good news. Be true to that, people of God. Be true.